You know, you're going to have to explain yourself at some point why we, me included, and the rest of us follow the NFL so closely when they're giving money to groups that, quote, want no policing, no detention. They want caseworkers instead of cops. I'm going to explain how the NFL and their Inspired Change program is complete crap. And we'll talk about it with Danny Z, the NCAA, well, college football playoff. Rankings are out, and they suck. We'll talk about that as Don't At Me starts right now. That's right. They suck. They do. They suckle. The the playoff rankings suckle at the teat of the United States of America's sporting fan, but I'll get into that in a minute. Welcome. It is Don't At Me. Did you know... Like, I see this all the time in NFL stadiums, back of helmets, in-game. Inspire change. And I always want to say, what change do you want? Like, Roger Goodell, you're making $50 million to go out and govern a league and be the bulletproof vest for a bunch of owners. Now, let me ask you a question. What change do you really want? Well... Now, the NFL, I'm going to get this right. They're pushing their initiative down all of our throats. That's right. They're inspiring change. And they've got gear, ladies and gentlemen. So if you want to get that gal in your life or that certain someone in your life, some inspired change gear, well, look no farther than NFL.com. And you can get inspired change gear economic opportunities. Yeah, they got it all. The Inspire Change hats are there for you. Look, here's what happens though. This is what happens. All of these little hats are helping fund an organization that frankly doesn't want cops. That frankly was paid $300,000 to not want policing. No jails. Defund the police, they say. What? What? Inspire change. What change do you want? We want economic opportunities. All right. Hey, go to go get a job. Seriously. Wipe your ass. Same thing I told white guys. Wipe your ass, clean yourself up, and go get yourself a job. There's your economic opportunity. Don't be afraid to start at the bottom and get a job and go to the top. Economic opportunities are all over the place. Diversity hires have never been at a higher rate. But you know what? We want to inspire change. Defund the police. There's an organization out of Oregon that wants to defund the police. Now, as I said earlier, they have given, uh, been given $300,000. Inspire change partners will receive financial backing from the league. Multiple groups that have openly advocated for defunding the police. The social justice initiatives include the Vera Institute of Justice, it's always Oregon, the Oregon Justice Resource Center, and the Community Justice Exchange, all three of these groups, they, listen to this, they want to have our police defunded. They want no police. They want no prisons. Now think about that. Yeah, we don't want prisons. They want social workers to go into the hood. Now, we can all make jokes and we can all be afraid to say it, 
But 51% of the crimes are basically committed by 6% of the population African-American males. So we got to figure that out. So guess what? You're going to tell me some social worker is going to go into the hood and say, look, guys, hey, how you doing? Everything okay? Uh, I'm here to help you help yourself. Really? Hey, lady, you got any money? I'm going to put a cap in your ass. See, I live in the real world. I live in a world where it is actual, not it is Pollyannic. Pollyanna sucks. Pollyanna is no good. I'm going to bring a social worker. And then on top of it, well, you can't, according to these groups, you can't have a white social worker go into an African-American neighborhood. You can't have an African-American neighbor uh, social worker go in. This is ridiculous. And I'm going to call it out because it is so ridiculous. And every time I see inspired change, I always want to ask, hey, dumbass, what do you want to change? Football player puts it on the back of their helmet. Inspire change. Listen to this. The hats feature the logos, I'll make sure I got this right, of teams with the platitudes, economic opportunities. Okay. Police, community relations. You know, that's idiotic and offensive. There isn't a police outfit in the world that doesn't go overboard in this day and age to have community relations. Criminal justice reform. Yeah, you don't want cops. Yeah, you want criminals. We want to acquiesce to the lowest common denominator in our society, the criminal. The person that takes people like me who work hard for their stuff, they want to take their stuff. Or they want to kill because they need something to do something else nefarious. Stop it, stupid. Social justice. Yeah, what does that mean exactly? What does social justice mean? What does it mean? It's all crap. It's seriously, it's all crap. The Steelers chose an interesting strategy. I'm, I'm reading this from Danny Z's article, who we'll talk to. When somebody clicks on the link in the post on X, formerly Twitter, he or she is taken to a page featuring Inspire Change hats right on the top. Those hats <sighs> inspire change, defend the police, defund the police. Listen to this. They are above the salute to service. So you got salute to service, but we don't want you. The NFL's full of shit is what the NFL is. You're just pandering to every single group. You are. It began in 2020. Remember the summer of love when idiots came into your city and burned it down and all the little reporters, black and white, were afraid to call them out for what they were, which was idiots coming into your city and burning them down? You donate money to social justice causes, organizations that say defund the police. Let me walk you through some of these organizations, shall I? There's an organization in Oregon, I'm, again, I want to make sure, right, Community Justice Exchange. The Community Justice Exchange vision is a statement that reads that the group is working towards a world, remember this, without prisons, policing, prosecution, Surveillance or any form of detention or supervision. How about that? That's a group that wants to defund the police. The, re the, the website that announcing its relationship with the Community Justice Exchange, the NFL forgets to tell fans that we're funding these groups that don't want police. Now, Danny Z writes, it's unclear how much money the NFL has funneled to the Community Justice Exchange, but it announced that a similar group 
the Oregon Justice Resource Center. Why are we caring about Oregon? Like, who gives the rats? They received $300,000. How about that? This group says we need social workers and programs, not police. We need truth, not empty gestures. Asking people to respond to the violence of the system with nonviolence without rebuking a violent system. Shut up. It talks about this. Until we are prepared to accept openly acknowledge to fund the police, refund communities will only repeat the cycle. Oh, shut up. The cycle of violence is happening in Indianapolis in the neighborhoods. It's not happening with the police. It's happening in my hometown of Gary, Indiana, with the people. It's not happening with the police. In Chicago on the south side, idiots are killing idiots over stupid stuff. It ain't happening with the police. It's not. But that's what these idiots... Nobody wants to address what's actual. What's actual is our communities, particularly African-American men, need to stop killing. They just do. I mean, you look it up, 13% uh, population doing 51% of the murders, but you could break that down even more and make it 6%. But we're not allowed to say that because that's just racist. No, it's not. It's facts. It's absolute facts. That's where it needs... We're, we're worried about like 8 bazillion positive things that the police do. And one idiot does one bad thing, and now we got to defund everybody. The Oregon Justice Reform Coalition... Listen, the brutality of law and order, cruelty in our prisons are connected by the same tumor, white supremacy. That's who the NFL is funding. Who do you think buys tickets to NFL games? What do you think the number is? Probably 90% white dudes. I don't know the answer to that, but I guarantee it's close. But we don't like white people. And this is who the NFL is funding. Seriously. This is who the NFL is saying, we need to, and then there's a group called the Vera Institute of Justice, dismantling the current culture of police, working towards defunding the police and shifting powers to communities. What is this, communism? What is this, socialism? Uh, listen to this. This group amassed $174 million in revenue, and the guy who's running it got $420,000 in salary and benefits. These are all frauds like Black Lives Matter. These are all complete frauds. But we, the NFL, is just preying on us. Inspire change. Yeah, hey, I'll inspire some change. Get 8 million cops and, and, and guys like Reverend Charles Harrison and go through these communities every night and have a prosecutor that isn't afraid to put somebody's ass in jail. And I've talked to police about this ad nauseum. I've talked to community leaders about this ad nauseum. And it's all the same thing. We got police that are under attack. We got prosecutors that are in pocket with the, quote, communities. And the communities are the ones doing all the killing. We got such pride in our community. Yeah, your drugs are rampant. Murders are rampant. Robberies are rampant. Carjacking is rampant. I don't know what to tell you. And the prosecutor, Ryan Mears, here at least in Indianapolis, is feckless. He's got nothing. But the NFL wants us to inspire change by a hat. Oh, screw you. Screw you. How about supporting the police? See, the NFL's full of shit. The NFL decides we're going to we're going to partner with cops. We're going to have a police officer sing the national anthem. And then you're trying to defund the police at every turn. You're full of shit, Roger Goodell. And the fact that all these white owners are so afraid and everybody in the league is so afraid is ridiculous. Thank God for OutKick. Look. 
Can my little show inspire change? Hell no. All I'm going to get out of this is an article where some idiot's going to tell you I'm racist because I don't smooch. But I've had these conversations with African-Americans, and they're right about. They're, they're like, you're right. Go, we need more pride in our community. What the hell's going on? If you talk to African-American folks, they'll tell you I'm 100% right. And they hate it. I'm not talking about little thug guy with his pants around his ankles acting hard with his gun like this. Got my Glock, yo. Stop it, stupid. You're giving me a headache. You're giving me a freaking headache. You are. Groups who have received funds as part of Inspire Change, the NFL Social Initiative, include the Vera Institute of Justice. Got it right here. The Oregon Justice Resource Center and Community Justice Exchange. All three of these groups support the funding and abolishing the police. And this is who the NFL is supporting. Yeah, inspire this, mother. NFL, my ass. You're so full of crap. Hey, whatever happened to women cancer? Remember, everything was pink. Whatever happened to that? Guess the women's cancer people didn't pay the NFL enough. That'd be interesting to know. Remember like October was women cancer awareness and everything was pink from our shoelaces to our head? It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what to tell you. But that's idiotic, ridiculous, and it pisses me off that we're trying to do that while under the guise of aligning themselves with our military, aligning themselves with our police officers. Speaking of something else that pisses me off, apparently I'm just going to be pissed off today. But I got to tell you, so uh, shakeups in college football, a lot of coaching shakeups in college football, a lot of lying. So this is the Michigan way, all right? You do something, you get suspended or you get fired, and then you go on a PR campaign where you didn't know anything about it. And all the Michigan little miscreants will defend you. I've had so many Michigan people say, well, Harbaugh didn't do anything. I said, well, maybe he didn't. But you know what? His own school suspended him three games for cheating and lying. Uh, the Big Ten, his own conference suspended him three games for cheating. They tried to fight it, and the meeting lasted a half hour. And, and invariably, the guy will delete his tweet. Like It's like this stuff doesn't happen. So now you got a guy named Chris Partridge. Chris Partridge is a dirtbag coach that was trying to sell himself and players when he was a coach at Paramus Catholic in New Jersey. Every coach knew this in college football. Harbaugh was dumb enough or smart enough, depending on how you look at it, to get this guy in the fold. He brought Jabril Peppers. He brought Rashawn Gary. They lost to Urban every time they played. It didn't work out great. But anyway, so Partridge is a guy that got fired. Partridge is the linebacker coach that, according to the media, and I told you at the time, I don't necessarily believe anything I read in the media, but anyway, they said that Partridge destroyed evidence and tried to get kids to lie. So now he's come out with a statement. He says he has no knowledge, none, zero, zip, no knowledge of what the hell happened. The manner in which the termination of my employment and my role as a coach at Michigan has been reported is inaccurate. It has resulted in people speculating and making assumptions about my knowledge of and connection to the sign-stealing allegations within the football program. I want to be clear. I had no knowledge whatsoever of any in-person or illegal scouting or illegal sign-stealing. Additionally, at no point did I destroy any evidence related to an ongoing investigation. So this dirtbag is coming out and saying, hey, I didn't do anything. Well, guess what? Your school fired you. So why'd they fire you, Slick? I had a simple question. All right, hey, look, you got it, Chris Partridge. 
Okay. But they fired you. Why'd they fire you? Okay. You didn't destroy evidence. Hey, media sucks. They probably got that wrong. Why'd they fire you? I mean, they didn't just wake up one day and go, yo, we got a defense that's pretty good. And we're going to fire the linebackers, coach, because our defense is pretty good. You know, you get fired when your team's losing and your coach is an idiot like Deion Sanders has proven to be with Sean Lewis, and I'll get into that in a second. But the fact of the matter is you don't just wake up and say, well, you know, I'm going to fire our linebacker coach because our defense is number three in the country. I don't like his bald head and his vagina face. I don't think you do that. I mean, I coached for a long time. I don't think you do that at all. But apparently that's what this guy's saying Michigan is. So, okay, Chris Partridge, I, Daniel J. Dockage, uh, keeper of keeper, owner of Dragons, says yes. You didn't get fired. You didn't have knowledge. Why'd they fire you? Why'd they fire you? Simple question. Never answered the question. Other coaching news. Bobby Petrino. Bobby Petrino is back in Arkansas. Now, if you don't know the story of Bobby Petrino, Bobby Petrino was the hot coach at one point, and he was the head coach at Arkansas. Bobby Petrino, he and his family, well, apparently they weren't the family people that people thought because Bobby Petrino hired a hot young ex-volleyball player from the fundraising staff to work on his staff. Bobby and the young hottie decided to start stooping. Okay, well... You know what? It's always two things with coaches. It's either stealing money or sex if they don't get fired for losing. So Bobby is giving it to the girl, and the girl's giving it to him, and whatever they're giving each other makes them both happy. They go for a nice joyride on a motorcycle. They decide, we're going for a motorcycle ride. Honey, I'll be home. I'm going to go with my concubine and take a drive. Unfortunately, a crash ensued, a bad crash. And Bobby Petrino's story, whoo, it's up. Got to go in a press conference. I don't know if we have the picture, but he's got a neck going. He's got bruises. He's all beat up. We all know this. Long story short, Bobby Petrino, ladies and gentlemen, gets fired. Because, among other things, he's stupid. You can't be stupid staff members. You can't be bringing some gal. And the girl gets away with it, of course. The girl was an adult. Oh, my God, she's just a young girl. So what? Girls are devious. Ask Lee Ross. Ask my daughter. Ask Gritty. Girls are devious. This girl, we don't even know her name. And she gets up. Ah, no problem. I'm just going to stoop a married man because, well, it's okay. The married man will have the problem. So Petrino's a dirtbag. He bounces around coaches. And now he's back in Arkansas as the offensive coordinator. It's pretty funny, really. It is. It's pretty funny. I get a kick out of it. It makes me laugh. It does. It makes me laugh. So Petrino's back as the offensive coordinator. Sam Pittman's trying to save his job. And there is nobody less trustworthy in college football than Bobby Petrino. So if I'm Sam Pittman, I'm going two things. I got my head on a swivel, and I might go Linda Blair in The Exorcist, dated reference but still solid, where her head totally spun around. I'm looking at everything Bobby Petrino's doing because he's trying to screw you just like he screwed the old girl that worked for him. Life comes full circle and it comes fast. You want to know why? You want to know why Colorado has all of these defections on the offensive side of the football? 
It's because the offensive coordinator, Sean Lewis, got demoted. Everybody, including Danny O'Neill, including the other quarterback, including Christian Farina's kid, understood one thing. Deion Sanders is about Deion Sanders. He ain't about nothing but Deion Sanders. So now, after Sean Lewis was demoted, Sean Lewis looks like he is going to be the head coach, in fact, is the head coach, at San Diego State, replacing the retiring Brady Hoke, one of the all-time good guys in college football. So what's happening is this. Quarterbacks are decommitted. Current players are in in the portal. People are leaving in droves. It's not just Sean Lewis was the recruiting coordinator for most of these guys. It's that they are seeing that Deion Sanders is about himself. God, my ass. See, Deion Sanders is pretty smart, and I fell for it. Deion Sanders decided he was going to hide, like most do, under the veil of God while he screws everybody. That's just what God guys do. Not all, most. So long story short, Sean Lewis gets demoted. The the program goes in turmoil. He hires Warren Sapp. Sean Lewis is out. I I had heard he was going to go be the offense coordinator at Oklahoma, but he got a head coaching job, which is great. And next thing you know, players are decommitting. There you go. Good for them. Good for Sean Lewis. He gets out of a cesspool of crap. And look, the Sanders boys are still going to have their commercials. Dion's going to say bull junk on TV. And Dion's a national hero. But this fell apart very, very fast. And it fell apart in part to this man right here getting screwed by a self-serving, narcissistic clown named Dion Sanders. Yeah, I said it. I meant it. And I am not going to forget it. There you go. Ba, 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 ba. Now, the guy went, he was under 500 at Kent, and he gets another job. So what you're going to hear is racism, man. Hey, I don't know. All I know is if you want a game at Kent, you're a pretty damn good football coach. Now, here's the other deal. Did I get them all? I think I got them all. Yeah, there's three coaching things that I wanted to hit on. All right, here's another deal. On the good side, you know who Levi Williams is? I bet you do. I bet you don't. I bet you don't. Levi Williams is a Utah State quarterback. Levi Williams is trading in college football. (laughs) These are my guys. For the cold water and sand that comes with being a Navy SEAL. Says he wants to focus on something much bigger than himself. I got to tell you. Now, this is heartwarming. See, at their core. Football players are good dudes. At their core, football players are tough dudes. But there's so many entitled idiots, and not just football players, it's media. You saw it with Clarissa Thompson. It's everywhere. There are so many entitled maniacs out there that you lose sight of the fact that many, if not most, and I'm not going to say all, but so much um, in the majority of college and professional football players are really good dudes. Really good. And this guy, wow. Think about this. I don't know. You're in your 20s. Every other slap blank in the college football is trying to get paid, yo. All right? They're trying to get paid. I got to get my bag. Hell, the ninth-string quarterback in Indiana just got an offer from Texas San Antonio, and he did it like a little college or like a little high school senior. Blessed to receive an offer from Texas San Antonio. All these guys are trying to get that bag, yo. Well, guess what? 
This guy, Levi Williams, you know what he's doing? He is going to be a Navy SEAL. Now, I got to tell you, in my world, he's the kind of guy that I want as a Navy SEAL. I want him on that wall. I need him on that wall. Here's what he had to say. I just want to be in a spot where I can protect this great country, where we get to play football with the freedom to do that. I think this is the best country in the world, so I'd like to keep it that way and protect it as long as I can. Now, I got to tell you, that's pretty good. Now, that's really, really good. And good for him and good for us. I mean, frankly, good for us because there are great people in this country. There are people like myself and others that believe this is the greatest country in the history of the world, that believe it is worth living here. Now, a lot of you young people that don't want to work, that don't want to do squat, that don't want to start in the mailroom and work your way up, I'm going to leave. I'm mad. This country sucks. Yeah? Go climb a hill in Afghanistan. Go live downtown London and get stabbed and have no rights. Stop it, stupid. You live in the greatest country with the greatest opportunities. How about this? How about you decide, you decide you want to go to work? How about you give this country a try or get the F out? Either way, don't bother me none. I don't know. What I do know is this. There are guys like Levi Williams. There are guys that actually care. There are young people that actually have a brain on their head and are not just taking a selfie of them with a martini while they sit alone at a bar to try to make themselves look like they have clout. <sighs> Good for Levi Williams. I am team Levi Williams. Hey, speaking of players, players are leaving left and right. Look, Indiana, my alma mater, you see it right here. I'm very proud that this is my school. I'm very proud to wear number 11. Isaiah made it popular. I made it famous. Dane Fife and Isaiah made it good. I made it funny, me and Jadlow. But anyway, I digress. So Indiana players, like 18 of them, have already hit the portal. Uh, what do I say as an Indiana grad? Goodbye to bad rubbish. That's always been my line. Adios, muchacho. Sayonara. Lacanoche. Avida Saint. Goodbye, see ya, hasta la vista, baby. All you Indiana football players, get your ass out and leave your NIL money refund check at the door. You couldn't beat off. But anyway, they now are not normal. They are different because they may not get picked up. Sure, three-quarters of them will end up in the MAC. A couple will end up at Wabash. A couple will end up at DePaul, Division III schools, and good Division III schools. But they stinks. They absolutely stinks. So goodbye. Maybe they're just testing the portal. Because like all of the other players that are testing the portal, they put out all those elongated, after discussion and prayer and thank you, blah, shut up and leave. Hey, look, if I were the AD at Indiana or I were the new coach in Indiana, my words would be this. Don't let the door hit you in the ass. Khalil Benson left. Oh, my God. Carter Smith left. Oh, my God. Zach Carpenter left. Oh, my God. The total is now 19. The quarterback, some guy named Soresby left. 
Hasta la vista. Jackson Davis's brother, Travion, or whatever the hell his name is, his name was chanted in the stands when he was on a recruiting visit. He's got a great arm. Smart kid. Can't play dead, apparently. If you couldn't be the quarterback at Indiana this year, I don't know what to tell you. Hello, Wabash. Remember, Waff. Wabash always fights. But here's the other end of it. Here's the ass end of it. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, when the Washington State coach told you that this was getting ready to be anarchy, this was getting ready to be a mess. Why? Because Washington State doesn't have a league. I guess they'll be in the Mountain West. I don't know. But not only are you in the middle of nowhere, literally miles away from Moscow, Idaho, on the far east side of the state of Washington, but, ladies and gentlemen, you don't have a league. You went from the Pac-12, as that idiot Bill Walton says, the Conference of Champions, they don't even have a conference anymore. So that idiot doesn't even have anything to say anymore other than to make fun of a great uh, guy named Dave Pash. But there is salvation. There's a quarterback at Washington State. His name is Cam Ward. Cam Ward is pretty good. I saw him the other day. He's aight. He's aight. Not great. He's aight. He's aight. What do you mean to tell you? Is he good? He's aight. You know, I mean, you know, he's aight. But anyway, this dude has eight or nine schools lining up with a million dollars for him to come play for him. Now, I don't know about you, but here's the deal. Cam Ward, let's just use Indiana. Let's say Cam Ward comes to Indiana for a million dollars. I don't know about you, but Cam Ward right now to Indiana or Purdue or Wisconsin or anywhere, name, image, likeness is worth zero. There is not a person in the state of Indiana that understands who Cam Ward is. So there's the schools, Oregon and Washington, Notre Dame, Texas a and So this guy is supposed to get, according to the rules, a million dollars only if it's name, image, and likeness. This is pay for play. This is, hey, look, I'm a free agent. You're going to owe me millions if you want me to play. You're going to pay me millions if you want me to play. I don't need to do any ads. I don't need to be Anthony Leal and go to Mother Bears and get the Leal deal meal or some idiocy like that. I just need to show up if I'm Cam Ward at Oregon, Washington, Notre Dame, Texas A&M, and Auburn. There you go. Now, according to whatever Jacob Scott Davis is, this team, wherever he goes, will be an instant contender. Yeah, contender for what? What exactly are you a contender for? Fifth place in your league like Oregon State was? I mean, what are you a contender? It's amazing what happens when guys transfer. Keep your eye on this. Look, there are very few Cam Newtons who transfer in and lead a team to a national championship. They're more like Sam Hartman. Sam Hartman goes to Notre Dame, and he's aight. He's aight. He was good until he shaved his beard. And then Sam Hartman showed you who Sam Hartman was. And Notre Dame got him eight or nine wins, lost three games. And they're just another team in the modern landscape of college football. Instant contender. Sam Hartman went to Notre Dame. And I'm sure Michael J. Scott, or whatever the hell this guy's name is, said, boy, Notre Dame got a great one. Well, a lot of guys lose three games at Notre Dame. 
and it's not really considered a success. But hey, that's the way the cookie crumbles. So here is Washington State's coach going back about transfer and transfer portal. It's kind of interesting. Let's show that one. We got a photo tear, we call it, in the industry. In today's world, you can no longer say passion and spirit are going to get you by anymore. I mean, it's, it's just completely real. The NIL matters. It does. And the facts are Washington State were way behind, not even competitive in some aspects of the NFL, right, in recruiting. These kids tell you what they're getting, you know. So Oregon State probably has us by 10 times. Arizona, 20 times. USC, Washington, Oregon, who even knows? It's a completely whole other planet. It's part of what we need. It's very, very important. In three weeks, it's going to be open target season on our players. That's Jake Dickert, the coach at Washington State, who's a really good coach. That's three weeks ago. Here it is. Cam Ward, his quarterback. I wouldn't know Cam Ward from Pam Ward. But Cam Ward apparently is worth a million dollars to some school that's willing to break the rules to go pay for play. Here's what needs to happen. Cam Ward and others need to get this in a contract. I wouldn't go verbal. I wouldn't go handshake. I'd get a contract. I'd put it in a, in a post office box, and I'd forget about it until some school reneges on a payment. But here's the deal. I told you this was going to happen. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. But I told you from the get-go. The NCAA rulebook is this thick, not because of the NCAA, dummies. It's because coaches have always figured out ways around rules. They have always seen a rule and figured out loopholes. So you got to put amendments, amendments, whatever the hell it is, in there. So next thing you know, here's a line of a rule. That rule now has so many different ways it could be broken that have to be addressed through amendments that now this is a three-page rule. That's a fact, Jack, and nobody in television other than me is smart enough to tell you that. So I told you this about NIL. Name, image, likeness, meaning Trace Jackson Davis is at Indiana. Nice freshman year. Joe Blow, the car dealership, says, hey, I want to give you a car and have you represent us. Boom. Based on his name, his image, his likeness. That's all out the window because coaches figured out, screw it. The NCAA is feckless. There's nobody going to prosecute us, so we're going to get collectives, we're going to get money, and we're going to pay kids to come. That's called pay for play. That's called professional sports. What can I tell you? That's just the way it is. So if it is professional, then what I think should happen is schools should demand refunds when you get a performance like Indiana's football performance. But of course, that will never happen. I'm fascinated. I really am. I'm fascinated to see how this whole thing shakes out because, frankly, everybody is trying to do it. Last thing on this, every single freaking school, every freaking coach that doesn't win is blaming the NIL. Tom Allen is considered one of the really good guys in coaching, one of the really good guys in life. He's a Christian man. Seems to be, uh, well, seems to be real in his Christianity. Love each other. L-E-O was his mantra. It's all over the football facility. And I guess it worked in 2020 during COVID with Michael Penix. Love each other didn't really work. Uh, well, maybe it, no, it didn't. They were three and 24. Maybe though, they did love each other. Maybe everybody's in love as you walk out of the facility at the Rock Memorial Stadium. See, you got to understand, 
Indiana's level is so low that Terry Hefner's considered a legend, rest his soul. He went like 7-14, and 14, but it's the Rock Memorial Stadium. But the truth of the matter is, Tom Allen on his way out said, look, we're way behind in NIL. Next coach better get that figured out. This guy at Washington State, we're way behind. Check out every single coach that you come across that lost his job They are at major schools. They are going to talk about the NIL. And they should because it's a big deal. But it's not NIL. It's getting upfront money to pay recruits. Period. Period. And if you swim in those waters, which Indiana basketball is trying to do, then you're going to get some big-name recruits. Are they good enough? Don't know. I do know that Purdue doesn't really swim in those waters. Sure, they have a collective. Sure, Edie, the big center, who was player of the year last year, front runner to be player of the year this year, got a big bump in pay because the NCAA relaxed their rules on foreigners getting paid. A year ago, Edie couldn't get paid. Rule changed. Edie's making a ton. Good for him. But he's also made it after he performed. So, Indiana wants to swim in those waters. They got a team that's got a nice record, but again, can't beat off. And then the other team, Purdue, has, is number one in the country, won the Big Ten last year. I know they lost in the, in the, uh, to the 16th seed, but they're going to the Final Four this year and probably going undefeated, and they do it the right way. It's an interesting dynamic currently going on in college sports. Name, Dan Dockage. Image, this beautiful thing. Likeness, this gorgeous thing. is supposed to be based on performance. That's what I, you, get paid for. Performance, period. College football, professional football, same thing. We're offering you a million to come here. NFL, we're offering you a 50 million free agent contract. The numbers are different, but the system is the same. I ain't mad about it. Frank, I don't care about it. I'm glad I don't coach in it. And I feel sorry for people like my son that are young coaches coming up in it. But hey, it's the world we live in. And guys that never played, never coached, Wanted it so desperately. Good for you. You got what you wanted. All right, Danny Z wrote the article on the Inspire Change. Danny Z is always entertaining. He is. I gave you a hell of a first 40 minutes. Yeah. Stay right here. Go tell your friends. Uh, knock one off. Go to the bathroom and come on back. We'll be right here. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. He is Danny Z, ladies and gentlemen, one of the great writers in the country, one of the most honest writers in the country, one of the most opinionated writers. So let's get right into it, Danny Z. I talked about this inspired change stuff, and it fascinates me that the NFL, I asked, what do you want to change exactly? And the crap they want to change is just that crap, Danny Z. What are we doing here with inspired change? Well, first of all, let me say, living up to that intro is going to be difficult. So 
Uh, it's hard. I, I both thank you for the intro, but also now you've set the bar very high. But uh, yeah, so this is interesting. I came across this yesterday. I was on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. And the Steelers were pumping out something like our Inspired Change Hats collection is here. I'm like, what the heck's this? So I click on it and they're selling hats with team logos and then just a bunch of nonsense phrases. And I say nonsense because they're all just platitudes. They don't mean anything. Criminal justice reform. Like, well, what are we reforming? What's the plan? Economic opportunity. Again, what do these things mean? They sound like they mean something, but they don't mean anything. And that's the issue I have with all this is like, again, it's it's nothing. So I guess the point I was trying to make by by writing about it was this is just pandering. Like I, I read the, the 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 tweet, the post that you sent out, and saying the NFL's going woke. I don't know that it, this is even them going woke. It's just a straight pander. I don't think they care. I don't think they're trying to sell these hats. They just want to say that they have them on sale. Um, the Steelers, in particular, I looked right above, or I'm sorry, right below the Inspire Change hat. Salute to service. It's like oh, okay, so we want to make sure we cover all of our bases, every possible fan that we could get to possibly sell a 30 40 marked up hat to we're willing to do it it's unbelievable and then you look at where the money's going and it's going to idiots i mean it, it, or anything that says oregon on it i immediately dismiss it as being completely insane three hundred thousand dollars to a group that doesn't want prisons doesn't want prosecution wants social workers to go into the hood and solve the crime problem yeah okay i mean what People need to know these things, I think. I think smart people look at inspired change and think like you or I do. Okay, what the hell are you changing? But I think people are idiots. I think they actually believe this stuff works. You know, I, I wonder if it's that or if it's people are placated so easily that, you know, it, it's, it's like all the people who jump on Twitter and, are, and send out a tweet that's like, you know, oh, I stand against hate and I'm for this. Like, I did something yeah. today. I made an impact on the world. Like, well, no, you didn't. I mean, you, you went on your phone, which took 28 seconds to open an app and type out a tweet. You didn't do anything. But I think that's really what a lot of this comes back to is I don't have to actually do anything. I can just, you know, say I'm doing something. Like I said, back to the phrases. I mean, end racism. I mean, yeah, that's pretty clear what it means. But what do we – first of all, how do you do that? I mean, what <laughs> – how do you end racism? What are we going to solve racism by painting it in an end zone? Come on, man. <laughs> uh, I, I, what I like, and I'm really fighting, is go vote. We know who you want us to vote for, so yeah, go vote. Just don't vote for who these idiots with their eighth grade education want you to vote for. That's my thing on that. It's not as bad as the NBA taking the entire day off to be like, hey, we're right. taking the day off because it's voting day because we know that you can't possibly vote and watch a basketball game in the same day. That's way too much responsibility. <laughs> can't count on that. Oh, no, that's too much. I, in Indiana, I think we still close bars till six o'clock. Like you walk into a bar and grill and, they, and maybe they don't do it anymore, but they used to have a cover of the over the liquor. Like, you don't get hammered and vote, people. We can't get hammered. They did. I'd walk into Yogi's for lunch, a place where I got lunch, and in the bar area, there'd be a big tarp on election day over the booze. Like, we can't even see booze on election day. It'll make us crazy, Danny. Wow. I, was, I did not know that existed, but that's actually that's pretty funny. Maybe it's, maybe it's a joke. Maybe they're having fun with the idea. No, no. It is absolutely... <laughs> Uh, absolutely what we felt like here. All right, 
there's the word on the street. It used to be Black Monday. I don't know if we're allowed to say Black Monday. Uh, Non-color Monday. I don't know. But Black Monday comes when coaches get fired. Now, we've already seen Black Monday started early for a couple coaches, Josh McDaniels and, of course, Frank Reich, to name just a few. How many coaches are going to get axed coming up here in the NFL? That's change. That's change. Maybe that's what they meant by economic opportunities for new head coaches as the old ones get fired but still get paid their full contract. So the NFL actually is providing a lot of economic opportunities to a lot of different people, even ones who are working. Um, Yeah, so Schefter listed 7 to 10, he said. I tried to go through and see. I mean, there's always a couple of surprises. I think the obvious ones, I mean, you know, I don't love it. I know you guys all love it. You want Brandon Staley gone. I think he's going to be gone. Um, I think that one's pretty obvious. Ron Rivera appears to be done. You know, there's the Belichick situation, which is really interesting. Um, I don't think he'll ever get fired per se. If Belichick and the Patriots decide that they want to move on, I think Kraft knows that. I mean, look, Belichick delivered six Super Bowls. He's been there over 20 years. You'll see a headline that says something like, you know, Patriots and Bill Belichick agree to mutually part ways or he'll retire. Like, I don't think there'll ever be a headline that says, you know, Robert Kraft fires Bill Belichick. However, I do think it's possible that the team's the team and he might just be like, look, we got to move on. So that brings us to five. Then there's a few other ones that are interesting. You know, Matt LaFleur, maybe, but Jordan Love seems to be turning it around. So I think he's probably okay. Eberflus in Chicago, I think, is a possibility, but they've won a couple games. Man, I was trying to get to, like, he said 7-10. to 10. I was like, man, teams would really have to get aggressive. I mean, Mike McCarthy, I guess, if the Cowboys struggle in the playoffs, um, which I don't think they will. They actually, I think Dallas is really good this year, and this is the team that's built. So I guess if, if they don't succeed in the playoffs, he might deserve to be fired because this is probably the best roster they've had yep. uh, heading into the postseason. You know, the interesting one to me is Eberflus because Chicago will want you gone and they'll want you gone quick. But a lot of people are speculating if you got to let Eberflus go, you got to let Ryan Poles go, who's a general manager. I don't think they want to do that. I'm fascinated because I saw your article and I saw what Schefter said and I was like you. I'm like, man, Rivera should be gone. Right, I mean, you know, Staley, he's going to be gone. They, the word on the street is their their roster's too talented to do this. But I don't know that Eberflus, I don't know McCarthy would have to. I, it would have to bomb out, um, and it doesn't seem like it's going to. I agree with you. I think you're going to have to be uber aggressive, uber aggressive to come up with, unless you want to consider well. You know, the interim coach isn't getting the job, and that's another job. I guess that's two for the price of one, but that's not really how it works, is it? No, and then some other possible, like McDermott's another one in Buffalo. I think his seat's a little bit warm. Um, If they don't make the playoffs, that could be a tough spot for him. But, you know, he, I I just don't, organizations that win long-term don't cycle through coaches. That's kind of what I wrote about Tepper. I mean, the guy cycles through coaches like it's nothing. Like, he has no problem signing these guys and firing them and giving them no chance to build a culture, build a team. It's just not how you do it. So, even if your coach isn't – because who are you getting to replace? Like, your hope is that you get the next, you know, quote-unquote Belichick, McVay, whatever. Um, but the chances are you're not. So if you have a coach who's competent and gets the job done most of the time, I almost think 
sometimes it's better to at least keep the consistency and the culture if as long as it's a you know a, a functional culture which i think it is for mcdermott in buffalo i know you hate allen that's fine i think buffalo's actually had some I don't really hate really anybody as a player hate. His, you hate his I, eyes whatever you know what i mean i don't like his eyes i don't like his eyes <laughs> oh, they've had some really so they, they've had some really bad luck this year though they have. I, I'll give you that. Look, I think they're a good football team. I think they're one of those teams that if they make the playoffs, obviously could do some things. But I want to go to something that you talked about. Get the next who. I think that you would say get the next pairing of Shanahan and John Lynch because these young guys, look, I know Zach Taylor went to the Super Bowl, but without Joe Burrow, he has been awful. You mentioned LaFleur without Aaron Rodgers. He's just a guy, right? I mean, they, these guys, McDermott, all these young bucks, Staley among them, they don't look so great. Now, I would say Sirianni and the guy here in Indianapolis, Steichen, Steichen hasn't proven it yet, but he's on a good path. You want to get the next, you want to get the next Sirianni, Steichen, but it doesn't mean just because you go young, they're automatically the guy. You know what I mean? There's enough failures in there. I agree. You left out Mike McDaniel, but that's all right. As a Dolphins fan, I'll take Mc slight yeah. to that. It, <laughs> well, how good have they been? I mean, I know that we love McDaniel because he dresses kind of like a, you know, I don't know, like a, you know, a woman going on a date. But you know, okay, and he's cute, and he talks like uh, the guy that rides his bike. What's his name? The guy that rides his bike all the time, and everybody. Oh, I, I'll, I'll come up with it. He's a funny guy in movies. I forget. He talks like that guy. Is McDaniel a great coach? Is that what we got? I'm torn on this. Again, I, I've said this. I try to keep it. I try to keep it down. I've been a Dolphins fan my whole life, but I try to put it aside because I have a job to do, and I cover the NFL, and I try to stay unbiased. Um, I, I've wrestled with this one a lot, actually. Is Mike McDaniel a great coach? Um, I think I underappreciated him going into this season, but now I do think he's a little bit overrated in the public eye and in the media eye because of what you're saying. He's, you know. I, I, I knew this was going to come back to Sean Payton, but I think Sean Payton is really nice to the media, generally speaking, and very friendly to the media, and they are very friendly to him, and he gets a lot of positive coverage um, that is a bit undeserved at times, even the Broncos right now. I mean, everyone's giving him a ton of credit. Their turnover margin in their win streak is like plus 14 or something ridiculous. Teams just keep handing them the football. Oh, and by the way, they don't do anything with it. They just happen to – anyway, I, I didn't mean to make this a Sean Payton thing. But I do think there is a little bit of – that with Mike McDaniel however it's impossible to ignore how much the players on that team the way they talk about him um Tyree Hill yesterday talked effusively about preparation like how this guy preps us every possible situation we talk about we go over we're ready for and yeah I think that's a mark of a good coach players seem to really like him his offense is extremely innovative it's interesting um he built he he had a a goal and worked with the general manager to your point, the dolphins worked together, their coach and their general manager. Like, look, I want fast guys. General manager said, okay, I'm going to get you fast guys that fit into what we're trying to do here. So yes, I great coach. Not sure we're there yet, but I definitely think he is an above average coach at least right now. But yeah, we need to see it a little bit longer for sure. No, I, look, they're eight and three. He took over a sticky situation when Flores was out. Absolutely. I mean, he's done a good job. He really has. And I, I would say I would put him in the category of that's who I'm trying to get. Like, you know, I'm trying to get Shanahan. I'm trying 
to get McDaniel. I, I would put him in that category because it seems like one of the things in the NFL, you don't want drama. Like, I feel like every game that I watch, I got an idiot wide receiver acting like an idiot, and then the coach has to deal with it, and then it's the quarterback's fault. See Buffalo Bills on this, Stephon Diggs. But you want a drama-free guy whose players respect him, and I think McDaniels fits that boat. I do. I think, I, I think Mike McDaniels, he fits that. No question. Yeah, what's fascinating to me, you mentioned the wide receivers, is, like, you always see this on losing teams, because that's what happens. You've been on losing teams, I've been on losing teams, right. I've been highly but, but right. anybody, it's not fun, and that's when you get stuff. But, you know, the Steelers are in the playoffs, and Deontay Johnson's over here quitting on plays for while well, this team's trying to make a playoff run. Stephon Diggs, you know, they make the playoffs every year, this guy never stops complaining. It's like, this stuff's supposed to happen when you lose, not when you're winning. So, that that's kind of an, uh, an interesting dynamic that's going on in the NFL right now where these guys are so me first that even winning doesn't seem to cure that the drama but I want to I want to touch on something um that you brought up which I, I think is a an astute point and very correct I think the the days of the Belichick where I'm in charge of everything I'm the head coach I'm the GM I just don't think that works anymore the NFL the salary cap the money the way these quarterbacks are getting paid constructing a strong NFL roster in today's day and age with the salary cap and the way these contracts, you need a GM who knows how to handle that part of it. It's not just about bringing in the right guys anymore. You've got to fit. This is like a giant puzzle. And so I think what you said about getting the right pairing is very important. And I wonder if owners are taking note, like, hey, no more bringing in a guy who's just going to run everything. We need a team at the top. We need checks and balances. You know, we need guys who are debating each other. And that's going to ultimately produce better results. So I think that's a smart and important point. Boy, I think that is a huge point, by the way. The only losing team I ever played on was I was seven years old in a nine-year-old league, and we went 0-7 on Mr. Alley's hot dog. So don't include me in your loser <laughs> mentality here, pal. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, but I, I want to go back to something else. Um, when you look across the NFL, I'm curious because I am thinking I'm going to ask everybody this question. I've said for years, I used to have great seats, six row behind the visitor's bench, right on the 50-yard line, great seats, got them from a friend in, in a whole thing. And the experience of going to an NFL game is crap. The, the, it just, it, I, I did not like it. It put me in a bad mood. I'm watching the product on the field, and I don't know, man. I, I'm not saying the NFL's going anywhere. It's not. But what do you think of the NFL's product? I don't want to put words in your mouth. What do you think of the NFL's product? On the field. On the field. Yeah, no, I understand. Um, I love, I love the NFL. I love football. It. I mean, I just, yeah. I just got my wife to sign off on. We just, we just mounted two separate fifty-five inch TVs on the wall. I've got a separate one below. I've got four televisions going. Um, I've got six games on at one time. So I might not be the right person to ask. However, I know what you're, I know what you're kind of driving nope. at here. Officiating is a huge problem. There's no question about it. I mean, you cannot have referees be the center of every single major game on you know like look calls are going to happen during one of the one o'clock window on a Sunday and most people aren't going to see it some will you know go viral but the key is really these four o'clock games these Thursday night Friday, Sunday night Monday night those games and it seems like every single week we've got a problem with officiating that's an issue and I think that's the biggest issue facing the NFL right now because the talent is 
better than it's ever been. I actually think the resurgence of defense is helping the league. I think they were going too far into the flag football. Like defenses are actually back to being really good. Like the good defenses are really damn good. And I think that's really good for the NFL. The athletes are incredible. You know, there's two big issues. The referees, as I mentioned, and Alex Smith went on ESPN on Sunday and said, you know, quarterback play is at an all-time high in the NFL. And I almost lost it. I was like, what? How could you possibly look around the NFL right now and say that quarterback play is at an all-time high? I get what he was trying to say, that the guys that we have more guys at the top of the position who are incredible than ever before, but the guys in the middle and bottom are bad, Dan. I mean, how many how many starting quarterbacks in the NFL right now? I generously said that 20 right now deserve to be starting in the NFL, which means 12 don't, which is what, 33% of the quarterbacks? don't even deserve to be starting in the NFL and are. I mean, look at what we had on uh, in the, the Bears-Vikings game. Josh Dobbs versus Justin Fields, uh, where one quarterback turned it over four times, the other one with a chance to kick a field goal to just salt the game away, fumble. Like, that was unbelievable that Justin Fields fumbled that football in that situation. It's the one thing you can't do. I was actually thought Eberflus should have been fired for the decision to let Justin Fields have the ball. Run the ball three times, <laughs> kick the field goal. Go up by nine points. The Vikings aren't scoring twice. They got Josh Dobbs. They aren't scoring twice. You need a field goal. I'm not putting it in Justin Fields' hands. Anyway, so quarterback play you- throughout the league I think is really important. And the officiating, those are the two areas we need to, to uh, shore up. But I think everything else is, is solid still. You know, I love the game. I love the sport. I watch it. and, and But I, um, the officiating, I, I've had two, three actually, Long-time officials tell me, they told me this four years ago. They said, you watch. Not that NFL officials have always been great, but the NFL made a concerted effort to get more diverse and get younger, get more women. And the experience went from you had to work 20 to 25 years to be considered to get in the league. Now over 50% have not worked 10 years. So they went to DEI, they went to women, and I get a kick. There's one fat-ass woman that is a sideline lady, and I watch her try to run up the sideline, and it's like, Jesus, like, what are we doing? So that officiating thing is real, Uh, but I'm with you. I watch it. I'm all good with it, but I saw you close your eyes when I said fat-ass woman. I'd say if it was a fat-ass guy, too, so I feel good about myself. No, I actually was thinking, you know what's sad, though? We're at the point... I've seen her miss so many spots, like badly. Right. right and right. you gotta know that those coaches are like, they they can't say it. They would be fired and run out of town, but they want to say this person does not belong refereeing these games. She can't do it. I mean, look, it's sad, but there were a couple of missed spots in. Oh man, I know oh, what was the what was the game? I now I can't think. I was, was it the Ravens? I, I can't remember. There was a, there were two first downs that they didn't get, didn't challenge. And the woman ref, I was like, wait, which side of the field is she on? Was that her? I actually don't think it was her, but my immediate thought was I've seen her mess up so many times that I now assume that it's her. And look, I don't mean to right. pick on one person because you're absolutely right. This is the issue that we all have with the diversity stuff. It's like, look, you want more women? Fine. Or, or, or uh, black, African-American, whatever you want, Hispanic, whatever you want. It has to start at the lower levels first. You can't promote them to the big leagues just on, like, you have to say, look, we need more in high school officiating. Okay, great. And then in 15 years, but see, people want immediate results. We want to see women and people of color on the sidelines tomorrow. The problem is that doesn't work. 
the, they have to learn and, and pay their dues. Like maybe they were held back in high school fishing. I don't know, but that's where we have to start like that period. And that's it. That's where we have to start. It's funny. You know, it's funny. Hey, look, white dudes miss calls too. The inexperienced white dudes miss more than, you know, experienced white dudes that they got rid of. But no, I've never understood. It's one thing about the NFL. I've never understood why the referees aren't full time. Why do you not have like, they, this is a billion, billion dollar industry. You can't spend a couple hundred thousand dollars on, on, you know, 40 refs whose sole job is to officiate and then in the offseason study the officiating and study the rules and go to camps and do mock games. Like, this seems like a no-brainer. And it, honestly, for your diversity, the best thing to do would be to make them full-time and at least you could get them trained. At least you could get these, these hires right. who might not have been originally deserving. Okay, fine. But we can put a ton of time into training. Like, if you're really committed to this, really committed to the See, this is, now we're back to what we started with. We brought it full circle. They don't really mean it. They don't really mean it. They don't care. They no. print money, so they no. don't care. They put the hat with the end racism and the social inequity and all that. And, you know, we'll put black and women officials on the field and Hispanic officials on the field. There, there you go. We did it. Here you go. Exactly right. No, it's exactly right. Uh, imagine having this conversation at ESPN. Wow. Thanks, Danny Z. <laughs> Appreciate That's why, you, man. It was it was you and I having these conversations on a Saturday morning before Darian Mel's why neither of us works there anymore. Right, right, right. Clandestinely. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks, brother. That's Danny Z. We'll be right back. Another one of Outkick's finest. The great Trey Wallace and I are going to discuss. I think it's crap that Oregon is ahead of Ohio State, but that's just me. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick Network. Oh, we must be back. I didn't hear anybody tell me we're back, but I'm very excited to be back. Thank you. Trey Wallace, the great Trey Wallace, Trey Wallace podcast. You can see it here on the Outkick Network. You can also read Trey constantly on all things. He's the best college football writer in the business. He's nice enough to join us now. All right, Trey, I'm just going to tell you. Um, I think it's crap that Oregon is rated ahead of Ohio State. Ohio State just lost to the number two team in the country, maybe the number one team, I don't know on the road, one-score game, and beat Notre Dame when uh, Notre Dame was still pretty good at Notre Dame. I got to give them the nod over Oregon. Other than that, I don't care, but I got to give them over Oregon. What say you, big boy? I mean, I I, I think that I, I was surprised last night, to be honest with you, that Ohio State fell to the spot that they did. I thought that they probably should be behind Texas and – Maybe even Alabama. I, I, I don't you know. It's, it gets a little fidgety in that room. But I think, look, overall with Ohio State, I, I think they're they're out of it. You know, and, and I think the sense that where we are right now with with Oregon, I, overall, I mean, if if Oregon takes care of business Friday night, and we get just a tad bit of little chaos maybe Saturday, I think that would put. Oregon in the spot. I don't, I'm not worried about Ohio State anymore. I think Ohio State's going either the Peach Bowl or I think they go the Cotton Bowl, something along those lines. I think right now they had to placehold them 
somewhere. And and I feel like, you know, with the upcoming games, it's going to be easy to jump because if Oregon, you know, takes care of number three, Washington, okay, then they're going to take care of Ohio State, jump them. I, I just think it was the committee kind of placeholding somebody. I think when you look at it overall, uh, last night, it set the groundwork for what could be one of the most chaotic weekends we have seen to end the college football quote-unquote regular season, even with championship Saturday, uh, in a very, very long time. And that's what makes this weekend, starting Friday night, so interesting to me is there's so much room for chaos, Dan, that we could see four teams right now, and two or three of them might not even be in the top four at the moment. It could get a little crazy. You know, my my Ohio State friends, and I, I don't know, and I'm pissed at a couple guys because they went to Indiana, they moved to Ohio, and all of a sudden they're Ohio State. And, it, and it's legit. They put kids through Ohio State. But they give me a headache because none of them, none of them respect Texas. And I'm watching Texas the other day, and everybody told me Texas A&M was supposed to be all right. And I'm watching Texas, and I'm saying to myself, time out here. I don't know. They got to win, obviously, but they're playing as well, if not better than anybody. And the I don't know. I can see Texas with with chaos has to be chaos getting in there. They're damn good. Texas is no. Yeah, no, I, I do like Texas. And and going back to that, that, the biggest thing on Texas schedule right now is that win over Alabama in September. Um, that's what's helping them because when it comes to relevancy and time. According to Boo Corrigan last night on the CFB conference call, it doesn't matter when in the year that Texas beat Alabama. So winning in September is still good now in heading into December. So I, I, I look at Texas as one of those teams that I think they could win a national championship with Quinn Ewer as a quarterback, A.D. Mitchell at wide receiver. I like the defense. It's just going to take, unfortunately, because they stayed behind Oregon in these rating, rankings, it's going to be very interesting to see if they can find that jump. Now, there is a path for Texas to get in, just like I think there's a path for probably the top eight to get in. And, and, and it, Dan, if we get, let's say Friday night, we get Washington takes care of Oregon, gets Oregon out of the way, and then we get Louisville to beat Florida State, knocks them out of the way. That's where Texas jumps in. That's where you're going to get your chance to, to fight for a title because you can't put Texas uh, uh, behind Alabama because of what happened. So that win is so huge because of something crazy. And it's not even crazy anymore. Like I, I keep seeing the word crazy, but if we get an upset – on Saturday, and, and Louisville takes care of Florida State, or even, Dan, I'll throw one at you, brother. If Alabama beats Georgia, we're going to see a shakeup, and, and, and it's going to be very interesting to me if they keep, you know, a one-loss Georgia team in that top four, which would potentially keep Texas out. So I agree with you, man. I like watching Texas. I think that they are a good enough football team. Uh, to win a national championship, but unfortunately, you know, that darn loss to Oklahoma is going to come back to haunt them a little bit down the stretch. You know what's interesting to me? It, 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 who, who, what are you valuing is what needs to be. And let me go to Georgia. You mentioned Georgia, Alabama. 
I went through Georgia's non-conference schedule, and frankly, it's crap. Tennessee Martin, Ball State, UAB. I mean, what 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 are we doing here? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, you know, um, I I just don't see anything there. I would reward Alabama if they win for at least going and playing at Texas. I mean, what the hell? Or right, maybe that game was at Alabama. I'm sorry. Yeah, for at least but- playing Texas. But is there a scenario where no SEC team, SEC team makes it? Yes. And that's where it would get cat. I, I don't the scenario is Alabama beats Georgia. Everybody else in the top three takes care of business. Okay. And then you have to make the decision, okay, wait a minute now. Are we going to put, let's just say, Oregon, if they take care of Washington, we're going to put a one-loss Oregon team in over Georgia or in over Alabama? There is that scenario out there. Like, they're not going to – just because Georgia and, – and this is going to be in the back of minds of, of the committee members. Georgia winning the last two national championships. But then let's just say loses – I don't know, seven points, something like that on Saturday to Alabama, something crazy happens at the end. Um, the, 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 the committee member is going to have a tough decision to make when it comes to, okay, do we feel like X team is good enough to jump an SEC team? You're really making a statement. And, and, and let's be honest, you're making a statement if you say the winner of the Southeastern Conference title is not one of the four best teams in the country. And if they make that case with Alabama winning it, the way that they're going to be able to go back and say it is, remember back in September when Texas beat Alabama? Like, we have to look at those things. So there is a scenario. I, I, You know, I I don't know if Georgia lost, would they drop from one to five? Maybe depends on how they lost. But, I mean, I'm just saying there is a path here for the SEC not to get in, I don't know if they got the cojones to not put the SEC in the college football playoff, uh, but we're about to find out, and there is scenarios that would keep them out, Dan. It's it's crazy, dude. This weekend, I have been covering this a long time, Dan. I have never seen a weekend where there is so much potential and we have so many good teams in the top eight you can go even top nine if you want to. That have a sh- that should have a shot at the playoff, but there's so many good teams. There's going to be three of them left out, four of them left out. It, it's it's such a big weekend. All right, last thing before I I, I got a couple last things, so it's not last thing. Yeah, What's well, going yeah, on in Colorado? Yeah. What's going on in Colorado? Dan, you got a team right now that uh, came out of the gates had everyone's attention in September kept people's attention in October. People started to kind of look away in November. Um, you know, you you lose that many games. Uh, yeah, people are going to start questioning the whole do you believe thing, you know, that, that Dion wants to put out. And and I think that Dion Sanders is going to raid the transfer portal for offensive linemen and defensive linemen because that's what this team missed this year. Um, they were just lacking. They could not protect Shador Sanders. Uh, you couldn't establish a running game late in the second half of the season. Um, they were depleted. I think, you know, you saw a roster trying to be put together. But also I think it's a little bit of reality, Dan. It's a little bit of reality. Like, okay, 
you got everybody when we first started the season. You you had everybody's attention. You caught people off guard. But then they figured out what you were doing on offense, and it's like, okay, shut it down. And and, and don't get me wrong. Colorado had some – that was some fun moments to start, you know, September. It, it was good times. That game against Colorado State, Dan, I know you remember it, the one that went till 2 o'clock in the morning. But you look at it right now, you've had a couple of recruits back out over the last couple of days. Um, the transfer NIL-wise is something big, too. Deion Sanders has proclaimed they will not spend money on recruits and from the transfer portal. And that is a very big statement to make in this day and age of college football. So, I, it, you know, it, it's not about, hey, do you really want to just go out to Boulder and play for Deion? There's also some different components to go into this. And, and I feel like right now, like I think Colorado is going to do okay when it comes to recruiting, probably, you know, 40th, 50th, top 40, 50 in the country. But this is a big job overturn. And I think it's the, the realization is starting to kick in for, for Colorado fans. Quarterback from here, uh, Danny O'Neill. I know his dad. His dad's my dentist, and a lot of that was due to Sean Lewis. Sean Lewis, the disloyalty, and then Sean Lewis leaving, going to San Diego State. They thought he was going to go to Oklahoma as the offensive coordinator. There's a little bit of that, too. I want to get into uh, a couple other things. Um, you mentioned yeah. the NIL. Cam Ward and others are going for a million. But I'm going to go a different direction with you because this isn't NIL. This is pay for play. This is a guy going to a school because he's offered millions of dollars or a million dollars. What is – is there anything happening here? I, I know Tuberville and Mansion uh, have some legislation where they're talking about limiting this and making it NIL. It, it, what, what, is there anything in the background going on to make this true NIL, not pay for play? No, I mean, at the moment, uh, for being honest with each other, man, it is like all these coaches want to say. It's a wild, wild west, man. It's free agency. Con look, con Congress wants to act like they want to get involved at the moment. But we all know, you know there's elections coming up. There's, you know, NIL is not a top priority when it comes to nation problems. Um, and I think right now, I think the NCAA – kind of screwed up so bad when it comes to rules and how we're going to try to protect this when this first started. Now you can't really put the genie back in the bottle, man. Like you're getting you're, – there, there is going to be players that make a significant amount of money in their last two years of college. And let me – and I don't want to say this too. I don't blame these players. If they can go out and find the money, and and no, because it's such a you don't know if you're going to the NFL. You don't know if that next play, your knee is blown out and you never play a game of football again. So if you can grab the money that you can now, I I, I really don't blame them. And and I think you know we we saw this a couple. You know the biggest one that stands out to me was was Sam Hartman at Notre Dame. You know, Dave Clawson, his former coach, came out and said, look, I can't blame the kid for turning down that kind of money. Like, that's life – he said it out loud. But That's life-changing money. This is the way college football is right now. And if you're a quarterback, and if you're a running back, and if you're a premier offensive lineman, I'm talking about a premier offensive lineman, you know, there's, there's going to be a couple hundred thousand dollars thrown at you. If you're a quarterback, there's going to be a million, million and a half, two million, whatever you – 
that 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 is put at your table and ask you to come in and lead the program. So and Cam Moore, Cam Moore's a damn good quarterback. And I'll tell you who needs him. That's you freeze down at Auburn. That's who needs him. So, you know, they, they missed out on a quarterback last year with Grayson McCall from Coastal Carolina. We'll see what happens this time around, but we're it's about to get crazier when it comes to the portal because it technically opens up on Sunday. So when it opens up on and there's tampering going on right now, Dan. There, there's coaches talking, there's offers being made and everything. It's all happening. But officially, it'll open Sunday. And you're going to be surprised by the guys that enter the portal 24 hours earlier already have their home lined up, you know, a day later. So a lot of money at stake right now in NIL and the transfer portal. And it's wild how we've gone from the high school recruiting to the money being offered from the portal. Pretty crazy. You know, I tell people all the time, every job I've ever been offered, I was offered the job before anybody knew it. Going from Bowling Green to West Virginia, I was offered the job. You know, they still went through it. Marshall offered me the job twice, once before Billy Donovan when they still had a coach, and then once on the day Billy Donovan went to Florida, the AD was in my office. These deals are done far, far, far in advance. And there's no different with players because now people don't really realize you can have an agent now. People don't understand that, but coaches can deal with agents. So of course deals are going to be made now. And that's, and that's the first thing that, you know, I, I've talked to some coaches over the last week and I've talked to coaches over the last two, two years since this has been implemented, but you, some of the first conversations that you're having, it's not about what's on campus. It's not about, Hey man, where am I living? What's the dorms look like? Uh, it's about, Hey man, uh, this team offered me this much. How much are you guys willing to offer me when it comes to NIL? And they're using it the whole, what makes me laugh is, you know, four years ago, we're not having to go back far. Four years ago, it was deals being done in hotel parking lots and bags being dropped off on front doorsteps of houses, you know, wire transfer, whatever. Now it's just so legal that you can say, hey, man, sign on this dotted line. Here's 1.5 over the year and a half that you're here. We're good. Like it, 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 it blows my mind that, you know, I mean, hell, I did a story two years ago, Dan, three years ago, Jeremy Pruitt, you know, was getting fired for, for handing out cash to players and, and having like, a, you know, there was a money scheme pretty much going on where the players would walk into coach's office and get a couple stacks. Well, hell, now it's just all legal. You can do whatever you want to do. So it, it, we have changed so much in college football, and they hide behind the NIL, you know, oh, you're going to make money off commercials when you get here. These kids aren't on commercials, man. They're coming in, pay for play. They're going to do their time, the year there, two years there, and they're going to move on. They're going to be richer in the moment for it. I don't blame him. That's exactly right. I don't blame him a second. I don't blame him even a little bit. I mean, Dan, Tennessee's reportedly, I'm going to keep using this word reportedly, got a backup quarterback right now that's signed a contract for $7.8 million. NIL deal during this time. It's crazy, right? Like, that's where we're at right now. So, uh, you know, you, you look at the game of college football and I don't see it changing over the next couple of years. And if you got, a, if you're a big time quarterback, you want to go make some dough, 
Put your name out there in the portal and listen to the phone calls come in. Yeah, 7.8 million. Hey, the coach is mad at you. You're not loyal. Yeah, okay. See you when I see you, pal. <laughs> Just 7.8 million. Hey, my ass is like Ed Ogeron said when they said they are going to pay him like, I don't know, 13 million. Where's the door? I'll see you, boys. I'm gone if I can get that. Hell. That's why Jim. That's why Crazy? Jimbo Fisher sit on sitting on his ranch right now with a cup of coffee this morning with his boots up. He's good. That's right. That's right. He's smarter than all of us. Thank you. Hey, Trey. Appreciate you, man. That's great stuff. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Have a great week. Man, is Trey right? Imagine Jimbo Fisher. Yeah, you guys are mad at me. Good. You be mad at me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Booster Joe that's pissed, that sends me emails or comes see. Yeah, okay, be mad at me. Got 77 or 70-whatever million. Tom Allen. Oh, Slappy Johnny, the penny millionaire from Indiana's pissed? Oh, my God, don't be pissed. Oh, my God, are you pissed? Please, don't be pissed. Shut up. Are you out of your ever-loving Mine. Hey, let me, I got real quick. I want to do some What the Hell Wednesdays. I love What the Hell Wednesdays. Gritty, get your pen and paper. Gritty, Lee and I want to have a beer with you, but we're not, uh, I don't think we're going to be down in Bloomington anytime soon. Hey, a Florida man, he allegedly threatened his family with Coldplay lyrics that ends a standoff after SWAT teams promised him pizza. Look, men are simple. I've said this forever. Men are simple. And Coldplay, quite frankly, is near and dear to my heart. Why is Coldplay near and dear to my heart? Because when I got divorced and I was trying to get the lovely Lee Ross to be my girl, to be my woman, you know what I'm saying, uh, here's the deal. I said, hey, man, I want to take you to a Coldplay concert. I knew one Coldplay song. And it was, uh, what was it? It was, I don't know, Vita Vita something. And I'm like, hey, Coldplay's pretty cool. Yeah, Coldplay's great. I'm in. So anyway, yeah, Coldplay and me, baby. That's right. I love Coldplay. I love pizza. Yesterday we got potatoes on our pizza. Lee's like, I feel like a pizza. I'm like, I feel like a pizza too. She goes, what do you want? I go, hey, I'm good. I'll take sausage, but don't give me any crap on it because I don't do mushrooms. Mushrooms make me sick. And she's like, what about potatoes? I go, I never heard of potatoes on a pizza. Let's do it. I got to tell you, potatoes is nice on a pizza. SWAT team comes in. Coldplay lyrics are playing. Next thing you know, hey, man, how can we solve this situation? Give me a nice za. Okay. Went to Puccini's, we got him a nice za. Next thing you know, it's all good. Florida is all the rage right now. A man was arrested in Florida after throwing Oreos at his wife during an argument over an empty coffee maker. Hey, look, I'm not mad at this guy. Only, though, don't waste good Oreos. And what's the stuff in the middle? All right, I'm 61 years old. And let me preface this. This is a 70-year-old man. Now, look, when I'm 70, I can still see me being fired up. Lee, you better have the damn coffee filter. I'm throwing double stuffs. Listen to this. He went to jail during an argument with his wife over an empty coffee maker. First off, 
I hope it's a Keurig. It turned into assault. Lake County Sheriff, now that's not Northwest Indiana, Lake County, an argument between John Sandoval and his lovely bride. By the way, they've been married 40 years. Look, in the morning routine, the coffee maker didn't have water in it. And look, when you're 70, it's all you can do to take the cup or the pot, put it, open the faucet, put it's too much work in the morning. Uh, he threw a package of Oreos at her. It hit her in the chest. She got knocked out by Oreos. I'm going to tell you right now, if I throw a package of Oreos at Lee, she'll grab them in one hand, back throw them to me, hit me in the face, knock me against the wall. She'll jump on me. She'll pummel me. And next thing you know, we'll be having the sex because it'll turn me on. I'm not going to lie to you. I tell you, the incident took place, wasn't reported to the next day. The woman's daughter said, hey, you got to press charges against this man. She didn't have obvious injuries. The guy Sandoval admitted to grabbing the package of Oreos and threw them. He believed the cookies had hit her in the head, but he's not sure. He couldn't remember grabbing his wife's throat during the rage. He was charged, listen to this, felony. Domestic battery on a person 65 years old. Man, why would you ruin Oreos over that? I understand getting mad. I don't understand hitting your wife. Never have, never will. I don't understand ruining Oreos. Oreos are a delicacy. Double stuffs are from heaven. The gold ones are unbelievable. One day, my producer, Kyle Knezovich, and I, we got into because we were doing a promotion, so we got a big box of the golden Oreos that Serena Williams was promoting. We ate an entire package each. I don't know who this person is, but they got to stop calling me. Send them the voicemail. Send them the voicemail, people. Uh, man who suffered headaches for five months, listen to this, learns he has chopsticks stuck in his brain. Hey, Lee! Chopsticks in the brain. Yesterday, I pulled out my ear thing, and the little plug stayed in my ear. I couldn't get it out. But I got to tell you, I knew the thing was in my ear. But also, at different times, I thought, huh, maybe I got it out. But this guy didn't know. This is a mom. Uh, mom who suffered headaches, learned, man who suffered headaches. What's wrong with me? learned that he had chopsticks stuck in his head. A man in Vietnam was experiencing severe headaches for five months. 35-year-old reported he went to the hospital. He's got these headaches. Scan tests reveal that he suffered from tension pneumophilia, a rare but life-threatening uh, disease. A subsequent examination revealed he had a pair of chopsticks that he put up his nose and into his brain. About that big, not the big long ones. One was a little longer. He was flummoxed how he ended up with eating utensils, but he recalled being in a fight in Vietnam while he was out drinking. He didn't remember any of it, but they were stuck in his nose. He didn't remember. Hey, man, you go to Vietnam, you're going to get hammered. You go to Rosie's, that was the bar in MASH, you ain't walking out of there with any... with. Nothing stuck in you. There's going to be something stuck in you. You go, you only got so many orifices. I'll let you figure out where they're going to be stuck or where you would like them. But if you're going into Rosie's outside of the MASH 4077, you know something's going to get stuck in you. You just hope it said please before it did it. 
It's a good story. And then a happy ending. A Florida man using a thong as a mask to protest mask got kicked off a United Airlines flight. How good is this? Hey, I'm going to wear a thong. Now, full disclosure, I've never wore a thong. I haven't. I've bitten a thong off. I've done certain things, uh, none of which I should really tell on here. But you know what? A Florida man said, Adam Janae said, look, I think the best way to illustrate absurdity is with absurdity. Every single flight has been met with different reactions from the flight crew. This flight crew said, yeah, look, you're out. He was removed from the flight, the official statement from United Airlines. The customer clearly wasn't in compliance with the federal mask mandate. We appreciate that our team addressed the issue on the ground prior to takeoff, avoiding any potential disruptions on the air. Uh, you're supposed to wear masks, I guess, at airports, on planes. Uh, the mandate apparently has been extended in Florida, I guess, through March. I hope that's not true because I don't ever want to wear a mask. It should not be extended. Oh, I guess this was in 2021, so this has been a little bit ago. But I don't want, I don't want masks. Shit. I mean, what are we doing? Who the hell wants to wear a mask? Let Greg Doyle and the people at the Star wear masks and get their 17 inoculation. Uh, this is gross, and I don't know why this is happening, but on Frontier Airlines, a woman, a biggin, a woman whose ass was this big, we call it juicy, she threatened to pee in the aisle, she pulled down her pants, she started squatting in the aisle of a Frontier Airlines plane. Now look, let's be serious. Let's be serious. Uh, this is weird. Nuh-uh. This is very, very weird. We don't need this. We don't need people defecating in the aisles. We don't need people doing nothing. We need people getting on flights, putting your headset on, hat down, sitting there like this, and not bothering anybody. We got people crapping in aisles at Disney. We got women taking off their drawers and squatting. And it's never hot, girl. You ever notice when you go to the supermarket or you go to the mall or you go to the hardware store and there's a kid being a pain in the ass, the mother's always a bigot. The mother always is of size, and she's always yelling. It's Munchausen by proxy. They want your attention. It's never hot caramel mom that is sitting there screaming at their pain-in-the-ass kid. No. Hot mom usually has control on the situation. Hot mom is never the one at the Kroger over here on 79th and uh, Geist Crossing screaming at their kids like I saw some big sister the other day just acting like an idiot, and I saw some big hillbilly woman acting like a fool screaming and yelling. It's never hot mom. I looked at a guy I was walking in with. He was an African-American dude. I knew him. I go, hey, you ever see a hot woman do that? He just started rolling. He looked at me. He goes, no, but I tell you what, I love it every time. And then I was over with some white dude. And in the, in the aisle, because this Kroger is a little bit wild, in the aisle where all the fruit is, or in the area where all their fruit is, there was a biggin. And I looked at this guy, and I said, hey, you ever see a hot mom doing that? And I thought the guy was going to fall down laughing. And he came up to me, and he's like, you know what? I've been thinking about what you said. I've never seen a hot mom do that. Of course not. Hot moms don't crap in the aisle. Hot moms don't pee in the aisle. Hot moms don't whip up on their kid in public in the grocery store. That's for the biggest. And this one was a biggest. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned.
Ladies and gentlemen, I am not only stretching, but I am giving you a touchdown signal. Why? Because every human being alive, male and female, black, white, whatever, should aspire to be a football coach, should aspire to be Mike Elko. Mike Elko went four and four in his conference this year, but he was five and three last year at Duke. So I guess that gives you status as an elite coach. But Mike Elko agreed to a six-year deal with Texas A&M. It's going to pay him a base salary of $7 million. However, there is a lot more where that came from. They're waiting, ladies and gentlemen. They're hoping, they're praying, and they are paying Mike Elko to win in the postseason at Texas A&M. Let's go through Mike Elko's Incentives, $1 million for making the college football playoff, $1.5 million to make the quarterfinals, $2 million to make the semifinals, $2.5 million to make the finals, and $3.5 million to make and win a national championship. Now, the days of Bob Knight saying, well, that's what you pay me for, that's what you're giving me the $7 million for, are out the window. Like, $7 million isn't enough to be the football coach. Like, Here's the deal. I guess what they're saying is $7 million is the middle. If you don't do these things, we're going to fire you. If you do these things, then we're going to bump you. It's literally that. Here's the middle. This is the level. If you don't, you're out. If you do, you're paid. So I'm looking at this thinking to myself, wait a second here. Do these things all add up as one? Or does he just get $3 million? See, I'm looking at it going, all right, if I win the national championship, I get a million. Let's add it up. That's one. Then I get another 1.5 because I did get to the quarterfinals, so we're at 2.5. I must have gotten to the semifinals in the finals, so that's another 4.5, and then that's another 3.5. Is that how it works? I mean, I don't know about you, but that's $10.5 million in bonuses right there. Do you get all of them or you just get the 3.5 if you win the damn thing? I'm not going to lie to you. I don't care about Mike Elko. I don't know who Mike Elko is. I watched his team. He seems like a good coach. Doesn't seem like a bad guy at all. He is a former Texas A&M defensive coordinator who I guess was good enough for Jimbo Fisher to hire and apparently win with, at least to a level that most coaches would feel good winning, but not up to Texas A&M standard. But there's something unlikable about Texas A&M. There just is. I remember doing a basketball game with Carl Ravage, and it's Kentucky-Texas A&M, and he had his Ravage did go over and do like the weird-ass cheers that those dudes in white do. Now, there's no military aspect to Texas A&M, but that 12th man also extends the basketball, and they do these weird cheers. And I walked away from Texas A&M thinking, man, I don't want to live here. It seems like in the middle of nowhere. Beautiful place, though. Great place for softball. They just build a new facility. Great place for football. The Kyle Stadium's right in the middle of campus. Basketball is good enough. But, man, there's a weirdness about this with those guys in the white and the cheers that they do that I'm just not down with. And Elko, being considered a great coach, Kind of fury, it kind of frustrates me. So I'm not rooting for Texas A&M. I've never cared about Aaron Rodgers. I've never said, oh man, I got to watch Aaron Rodgers, except 
except in the last five minutes of a game this time of year when there's snow on Lambeau, it's dark here at 5 o'clock, and I've done whatever I'm going to do for the day, and then I'm going to watch Aaron Rodgers have the football going in late in the game. I love watching that because then his being smug, his being cool, him being a scotch drinker, it all made sense to me. And then once the game was over, I would turn him off because I didn't need to hear him, two smug people, Aaron Andrews and Aaron Rodgers, talk to each other. I don't need that in my life. I don't. But Aaron Rodgers isn't a believer in sunscreen based on a post that he liked on social media from former pro bowler Russell Okung, which could come as no surprise that the man wants to pick a fight with the sun. The man wants to pick a fight with the sun. Look, I'm all in on Aaron Rodgers picking a fight with Fauci. I'm all in on him telling, without naming the idiot's name, Greg Doyle, G-F-Y-S, I don't know if it's G-F-Y, I think it was G-F-Y, go F yourself if you don't think he tore his Achilles when the worst among us, Greg Doyle, questioned that. But I got to say, you're picking a fight with the son? Let's go to what Okung said. Proud-based parent moment. My four-year-old stopped me and asked why other people use sunscreen. I looked at him seriously and responded, corporations push propaganda machines to make the masses believe the sun is bad for them. We had a different view. Now let's go. Okay. I mean, I, I don't know. Look, the sun is good for you in moderation. Vitamin D is great for you. One time when I had surgery, I had to stay on a couch. I stayed in the hospital because it got infected for 10 days. And then I had to sit on a couch in the middle of the summer in 2008 with a pick line going to my heart. From Where was it? Where's a pick? I don't know. Whatever it was, it made my arm black. I should be owning that hospital. But anyway, I digress. And the doctor said, you don't have any vitamin D. Here's a couple of vitamin D bombs. It's important. Look. Maybe he liked it. Maybe he liked it because he's talking about corporations pushing propaganda. He's right about that. But I got to tell you, it's pretty good evidence that the sun's going to cause you skin cancer. I don't put sunscreen on, and I'm worried right now about a spot that I got right here and one that I got right here. I'm not happy about it. And I'm going to the doctor on January 5th. Hopefully, he tells me it's nothing. I pick at it and try to grind it out. But, but, hey, look, skin cancer's real. You do you, Aaron Rodgers. You keep sitting there, and I'll keep watching. I won't stand for it. Russell Westbrook. He got into an extended verbal argument with a courtside heckler as the Clippers do what the Clippers do, which is lose to Nikola Jokic, my Serbian brother, 113 to 104. Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon, in, uh, well, that's Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon. Uh, the referee and the players for both teams had to break up the heated exchange. So here you see Westbrook going over to confront the fan. The next screenshot you're going to see is because Westbrook, well, he's kind of a rabbit-eared punk. He's kind of a guy who is incredibly self-important. He's an angry guy because his career has gone south. He ladies and gentlemen, had to have a fight broken up with a fan. We can show you this every day because player empowerment is player being little batch. Player being little batch now wants to dictate what fans can say in professional arenas. We saw it with Popovich. 
the most woke of all coaches, chastising the fans, Bobby Knight style, Mike Krzyzewski style. It's professional sports. Hey, man, if I want to boo Kawhi Leonard, I'm going to boo Kawhi Leonard. If you don't like it, Pop, I got these nuts for you. Hey, look, Russell Westbrook, you've sucked for years. You've had a great career numbers-wise, but you've sucked for years. If you don't like fans getting on you, tough. Here's what Westbrook had to say about it. You know, fans kind of have the right of way. They kind of say whatever they want. Uh, but like I told you, any disrespect to me, my family, I won't allow it. What do you think of the security response? And does the NBA need to change some rules here to prevent these situations? I don't know. I'm not, a, I'm not sure. But uh, I just was only thing I would ask is just um, I understand fans are happy, enjoying the game and, you know, uh, feeling, you know, up to whatever that may be. They, I guess they feel they can kind of say whatever. But um, this is our job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shut up. I mean, just shut up and go away. There are certain guys in sports that I just want to go away. I uh, just want him to go away. And, and Westbrook's one. You know, I, I've never been a Westbrook guy. I, I think he's trying to be smarter than he is. I mean, let's be honest. He's a moron. You know, he dresses like a, I don't know, like a little girl going to prom. I, you know, whatever, man. I don't like the representation of the effeminate male. I just don't. You guys can. 350 million people in this country. We're all going to have different opinions. Uh, anyway. Hey, Dan Lebertard's coming at OutKick. Good for us. Dan Lebertard uh, has been exposed as a fraud. And you know what? He is trying to come back from it by downplaying it. Look, Lebertard and his cronies at Lebertard U, which has Sarah Spain and Mina Kumis and Pedro, not Pedro Gomez, I don't know, one of them guys, Israel Gutierrez, I don't even know these guys' names. Uh, Lebertard is mocking and mad at a five-year-old because half was black, half was red. He wore a headdress. And by the way, the kid was a Native American. So, of course, our crack staff here at OutKick, after Lebertard said nobody should ever dress in red and black paint, shows Lebertard dressing in red and black paint. Well, Lebertard can mock away, but he's been exposed as exactly what he is. A fraud. Uh, you know, he's always been a fraud. He's always been a fat ass, full of shit, little whiner. He has nothing to say about sports, but give him a political slant to the woke and he's all in on it. He comes across as trying to be the good guy. He comes across as that liberal that's all about compassion, but he's full of crap. He gets mad and feels slighted at every little slight. And his little, uh, I call him a DSB, uh, Stugatz, with his knee pads at the ready, will come to his protection. They're the biggest fraud in sports, as everyone knows. Anyway, Paul Reed is mad. Paul Reed took a jab at Anthony Davis. Paul Reed says he's the biggest flopper, so make sure uh, – wait, he's a big flopper. To make sure that I don't get into foul trouble early, you can't be too aggressive with him. You know he's going to be flailing. Yeah, so you got to make sure – that I stay out of trouble. Yeah, I'm sad about Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis was a great dude. Anthony Davis is like a mess. You look at Anthony Davis on the court, and he just looks like a mess. I mean, he was a guy that, as a freshman, helped lead without ego Kentucky to a national championship. Now he just, you know what he looks like? He looks like the guy that you want to just say, look, son, clean yourself up wipe your backside and become a Hall of Fame player. 
Instead, now he's a flopper. He, I don't know. He just, I am sad about it. I saw him as a 17-year-old playing Fort Wayne, and I love the kid. You could tell he was special, and for him to win a national championship and do it without caring about scoring points, just winning, was fantastic. It's the only one Calipari's won, although Cal has a good team this year. I'm just sad about it. Uh, i tell you what else I'm sad, and th- file this one under. File this under. Backups are always going to show you why they're backups. Eventually, it's just going to happen. We see it every week with Gardner Minshew. Culture winning, and I'm on the bandwagon with my Tommy Bahama Colts because Tommy Bahama is the sportswear for the elderly man. Anyway, I digress. But Gardner Minshew shows it, and of course, Josh Dobbs is going to show it. Josh Dobbs has been all the rage, and good for him. He came from Arizona after getting cut to the Vikings without practice, led him to a victory. He became all the rage. But here's the deal. Kevin O'Connell said this about Josh Dobbs. I think what Josh Dobbs has done coming here on short notice going two and two in a stretch where a lot of people might have thought Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson being out the deck stacked against us, we're going to take a look about Dobbs. Really evaluate the inventory of plays How we uh, now we have of Josh. We got healthy. We've got Jaron back available to us. Nick Mullins is available as well. Not exactly a ringing endorsement of the guy who saved their season. Not exactly a Josh is our guy. No, Josh Dobbs has done well, but a backup, and that includes Mullins, that includes Jaron, that includes anybody you put in there, is always going to show you why they are backups. Now, the one exception to that, and it's coming, is Geno Smith. Geno Smith, longtime backup, used to be starter, early draft pick, has thrived under Pete Carroll in the Seahawks. He may be an exception to it, but I'm telling you, this is one of those rules that has very, very few exceptions, especially in the world of NFL quarterback. They're always going to show you eventually why they are a backup, and that's what's happening in mini haha. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm giving you my best today. I am. I mean, I bring it two hours a day. My, uh, is it two? Yeah, it's only two. One of my former players, Brandon Parton, has lost 50 pounds listening to this show. Last night, Sack Attack gave me the Oilers and gave me Sacramento. I was going to sleep. The Oilers were up 4-2. to two. I went and checked the score before I went to bed in the third. It was 4-4. Four to four. I checked the score of Sacramento. The Kings were getting beat 14. Actually, it was 12 when I went to sleep by the Golden State Warriors. I woke up. I read my Bible. I got myself ready to get on with Charlie, and I checked my account. Lo and behold, winner, winner, and then I parlayed them. Winner. Sack attack, you rule. Sack attack, you're awesome. All right, let's woke and dope it, baby. Let's see what we got. Where are we at with the wokey and the dopey? Clean the streets. Oh, man, no kidding. No kidding, Gavin. Like, all of a sudden, our mortal enemy... This Chairman Xi from China comes over, and next thing you know, San Francisco looks like the opening of the streets of San Francisco, the famous show Michael Douglas was in way back in the day with the car going down the hill. The place looked pristine. Why don't we do that for our own citizens? Why don't we? It's an interesting question. Why are we doing more 
for illegal immigrants, why are we doing more for murderous dictators than we do for our own citizens? It legitimately does not make sense to me. Well, I guess maybe then I haven't been paying attention. Because one thing we've learned out of Democratic-run cities, no matter what the idiot in Chicago is saying, that it's the white man, uh, fine. The white man ain't going into Chicago and carjacking everybody. The white man ain't running around the bee. The white man ain't twerking on police cars. The white man isn't blocking freaking roads. So stop that crap, you idiot. But anyway, why don't we do more for our cities? I don't have the answer to that. But I have been paying attention, and this does not surprise me. Next! Oh, yeah. Donald Trump on a lake, in a chair, coffee in hand, legs crossed. Does that look peaceful? Well, that, ladies and gentlemen, is what the rest of the world felt like when Donald Trump was the president. We didn't have any wars. He dealt from a position of matter-of-factness. He dealt from a position of strength. He dealt from a position of common sense. He dealt from an unbiased opinion. And you would, too, if you just paid attention. But I get it. The Trump derangement syndrome is so uh, pervasive that even today, when I was talking about uh, Michigan football, I got, well, January 6th. What? John Harbaugh's a January. The DNC needs men like you to spin. I'm like, what are you talking about? Everything goes to Donald Trump. But the fact of the matter is that, ladies and gentlemen, is exactly what the rest of the world looked like, and us in America sitting there prospering with Donald Trump at the helm. It's very weird that you all don't see that. And I also, I'm going to say this every day. I can say it more if and when we get off YouTube, but don't trust nobody in this election. Get out and vote and make damn sure you stay awake all night. Next! Oh, man, that's exactly right. When a five-year-old at the family dinner draws something stupid and everybody has to pretend like it's amazing. My favorite is Camilla Harris. Camilla Harris, you just know. Look at her. She always looks like she's ready to go down. Oh, well, never mind. She always looks like she's ready for a party. And that's what I like about her. I do. She's like that girl that you go, hey, we're having a party. You got to invite Camilla because she'll make it fun. That's what I see in her. She'll be so stupid or so crazy or so sleazy that if Camilla's there, you know what I'm talking about. Whenever you're at a party, there are certain people that you need to have show up at the party. You do. It's a good time. Show up because Camilla's there. You all think you have a chance with her. You do, even though she's married. You do. That's just the vibe she gives out. The stupid, hey, I'm down for almost anything vibe. I don't want it as president, but I do like it in pictures. It's really funny. And this moron here, there's nobody with any common sense that isn't being paid by Joe Biden that could seriously sit there and think he said anything funny intentionally. It is what it is. It's the most important election of our lifetime. And if this goes south, God forbid. But if this goes the right way, a lot of people are leaving the country again. All right, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again where I have to thank people, and I love doing it. I got to thank you people on the YouTube chat. Our YouTube chat is just every day. The YouTube has exploded. The YouTube is fantastic. The YouTube is consistent. And I need you to like. I need you to subscribe. Yeah, why not? What else you got to do? 141 people are currently uh, liking it. There should be more. There really should be. Yeah. Let's read some. Otter Creek. Are we going to have a chat? We got to have a chat. 
John M. Hillary has hot sauce in her purse. Dan, why does Heels Up Harris have a gas stove when they're trying to ban them? You know the answer to that. Heels Up's a fraud like the rest of them. He is. I'm sorry. Hey, Dan, I got one word for you. Corn pop. Hey, Dan, Camilla Harris is always high. I'm not going to argue that. I'm not. I'm not. Dan, it's funny how people judge Trump for all his wrongdoings but ignore others. JFK, Bill Clinton, Biden, no one's perfect. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's Romans 3, 23. See, you go to the YouTube chat, you know what you get? You get everything. You get arguments. You get a little racism. You get some religion. Yeah, it's awesome. Have a great afternoon. Nick, Nick 1, Nick 2, you're fantastic. Aaron, can't thank you enough. Gary, thank you as well. Haley and Kaylee, Beth the Booker, you're off the chains. Yo. Davey, Ryan, Dylan, thank you all so much. We'll see you tomorrow. Stay safe out there.